Welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast with Jeff Baker and Drew Pelto. Sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win. And by sportscollectorsdaily.com. If it happens in the hobby, you'll find it on sportscollectorsdaily.com. And now, here's our host, Jeff Baker. Hello, everybody, and welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast, where we talk TTM, cards, autograph, collecting, and a whole lot more. It is season four, episode 29, the weekend of July 23rd. And guys, you're listening to the nationally ranked sports card podcast hosted by me, Jeff Baker, talking to you from Boston, Massachusetts. And I'm joined by my friend and co-host from Dallas, Texas, Mr. Drew Pelto. Hey, Drew. Hey, good to be here, as always. Drew, I saw you posted a video up on, on YouTube. Why don't you let people know uh, our, your YouTube address so they can go check it out? Yeah, if you just go to youtube.com slash dfwgrapher, that's the easiest way to find any of the videos I put up. Just put up my uh, TTM and in-person video from the first half of the month here. Uh, also going to be posting stuff from my upcoming trip every night, if I can possibly keep to that schedule at least. So uh, yeah, go and check it out. dfwgrapher.com is my website. You can get a link to everything I'm on right there. YouTube channel, like I said, youtube.com slash dfwgrapher. What'd you do? Uh, delete the first video? The intro video? Nope, intro video should be up there. It'll be probably second on my most recent post or something like oh, okay. that. Okay, the only one I watched was the I watched the the most recent post and it's, and you say you put a thing and a note in there like oh I forgot <laughs> to the, the intro video. Yep, yep. Now the uh, the uh, regular in, the uh, trip intro video is still up there. I've actually got a uh, specific playlist set up for it. Yeah, no, I saw that. I saw the cool. trip intro video. Right. That was kind of cool. So Drew, why don't you let people know about our radio show? Of course, you can uh, tune in on the Sports Map Radio Network. It's uh, all across the country, and about a hundred different markets carry their uh, Saturday and Sunday programming. But uh, yeah, we're on uh, Saturday mornings from 10 a.m. Eastern until 11. We'll be on Sunday mornings, 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern time as well. If you don't have a Sports Map affiliate in your area, you can check out their app. It's available in the Apple or uh, Android app stores. You can also check out our website at sportscollectorsclub.com to find all of our past episodes. Cool. Thank you, Drew. So uh, kind of a big week, right? We have uh, we had baseball all-star game. We have uh, Hall of Fame induction this weekend. And then uh, the, the Nationals, what, let's set five or six days away now. So there's all sorts of stuff going on. Um, did you watch the all-star game at all? I did, yeah. I was uh, really into it there the first couple innings, and it just kind of fell off after that for a while. But, uh, I mean, my Cleveland Guardians had excellent showings there, though. I mean, a great play in the field there by Andre Jimenez at one point to turn a double play. Had two hits for uh, Jose Ramirez. And, of course, the almost immaculate inning for uh, Emmanuel Classe. Ten pitches for nine strikeouts. So, yeah, he, great to see is. that. What would you think of the um, the pitchers being mic'd and the, and the guys being mic'd in the field? Did you like that? I like it, yeah. I mean, it's really cool to kind of, you know, get them talking during the play and everything and get their natural reactions right away and all that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, a couple of the guys weren't that good, but all in all, I think it was a good good feature. I hope hopefully they do that. Maybe uh, they do it in playoffs and stuff because it was really good. Well, you you you're off. You're off off and running. The Drew's excellent adventure is what forty eight hours away, twenty four hours away. Oh, it's underway by now. Uh, we're uh, well from when we're recording this. It's about six hours until it starts. We're going to be uh, taking Ooh. off at ten o'clock tonight, probably. Whenever Aaron gets off work and can get down here. So probably about 10 o'clock or so, we'll just drive the three, four hours or so into Western Arkansas, spend the night there. And then first game is going to be Friday night. 
be seeing the Birmingham Barons at the Rocket City Trash Pandas up there in Northern Alabama. Now, are you going to get some hat, cool hats and cool, cool uh, swag? You get programs. What, what do you what do you get when you go to these the games? I think special. Typically, no. If I'm seeing one of the Cleveland affiliates, I'll usually buy one of their hats or something like that. Uh, I'm probably going to buy a Toledo Mud Hens hat while I'm up there, just because I mean, legendary minor league name. That's the first really weird minor league team name here that's still around at least. So, uh, yeah, I'll probably look into a hat there. But for the most part, no, I really don't buy a whole lot of stuff. I just get my get my autographs. Maybe I'll buy a team set once in a while. But yeah, just uh, autographs and food. That's ninety percent of it. And you got a kind of a special bonus when when the first round pick of, of the Tigers got sent down to Toledo, right? Yeah, we're going to be uh, seeing Spencer Torkelson. We're seeing Columbus at Toledo on Sunday afternoon. So I'm hoping, I mean, he's in two cards in the Heritage Miners set. I'm hoping I can knock out at least one of those, but we'll see what happens. I mean, the most best I can do, you know, put him out there, hope for the best. If I get him, great. That's cool. We have a fun show for you guys this, this week as we prepare for the National. This week, I'm going to talk, uh, I had uh, the privilege of talking with Al Woodall. Al was a, a former quarterback with the New York Jets. He came out of Duke and he was drafted by the uh, then Super Bowl champion New York Jets. I don't think they've been able to say that since. And he was drafted in the second round. And he ended up being uh, Joe Namath's backup. So we had a front row seat for all of the fun stuff that Joe Namath uh, had during his, his time in New York. And we talked to Al about being Joe Namath's teammates, seeing that, being playing in uh, New York City. He They played at Chase Stadium when... Uh, the Mets were playing there, so he, has, he had some interaction with the Mets. We talked about that. And uh, Al was real cool to talk to. And we also talked about signing autographs and some of the things that he collected. So that's coming up a little later in the episode. The next week, we have uh, I interviewed Tim Sommer. Tim was a uh, eight-year minor league pitcher uh, with the Baltimore Orioles. And he wrote a, he's written a book about his time in the minor leagues. And we talked to Tim about his book. That'll be next week. I'll, I'm going to play that next week when, while we're at the National. But this week, we have Al Woodall. And then we have all our regular segments plus a new segment, right, Drew? We do indeed. We've got Baker's Dozen where we'll cover everything from the news in the hobby world from the past week. More from Les, where Les Wolf will be joining us with all sorts of great stuff. I mean, he varies up his content, what he brings to us so much. It's just a must listen to as far as I'm concerned. Got a new segment coming called Corner Kicks with Clemente Lisi. He's joining us as our soccer correspondent. Definitely something I'm interested in there as I do some of the, uh, collecting some of the old indoor soccer players. We've got Making the Grade, which of course covers everything in the world of grading from the past week. Any news around there? Stamp of approval, where Jeff and I give our two thumbs up to something or other from the past week. Could be just about food. Anything. We're doing food this week. Woo! <laughs> It'll finally be food again. Yes, looking forward to that one. Uh, the Vern Rap Minute, of course, which uh, covers all uh, deaths in the world of sports, celebrity, music, politics, anything like that. And of course, the main reason why you're here, why we're here, are TTM returns. And Drew, we have a lot of new listeners, guys. If new listeners, all listeners, friends of the show, people that hate us. We want your feedback, so you can either text us at 978-729-0662 or email us at ttmcast at yahoo.com. We'd love to hear from you. Send us some feedback. Uh, we're going to go. Uh, I think that wraps up our introductions, Drew. We're going to go right into Baker's Dozen next. Baker's Dozen, sponsored by sportscollectorsdaily.com. 
Smart collectors turn to Sports Collectors Daily to stay up to date. From new releases to incredible collections hitting the auction block, news from inside the business of sports collectibles, and much more, Sports Collectors Daily has it all with no subscription cost. SC Daily also delivers a live look at the most watched sports card auctions on eBay for every sport. Sign up to get the headlines in your email for free or just visit the website whenever you like. With 16,000 stories in the archive going back 16 years, there is always plenty to read at sportscollectorsdaily.com. Well, Baker's Dozen is kind of a news summary of what's been going on in the hobby. Before we start talking news, just a couple of things. I want to remind everyone to check out my article on TTM and autograph collecting and sportscollectorsdaily.com. It's a weekly article. I will have an article this week, but we will not have an article next week because Drew and I are going to be at the National. But check that out, sportscollectorsdaily.com. I have a weekly article. Usually posts either Monday or Tuesday mornings. Make sure you check that out. Also, the Card Life, the TV show, uh, their Boston edition is now available online. You can check it out on YouTube or you can check it out at thecardslifetv.com. And they did a little feature on me on TTM and autograph collecting. So check that out. If you haven't seen it, you can now see it online on YouTube or at cardslifetv.com. Well, Drew, we hit some uh, big numbers and some all-star game auctions this week. We are, and even uh, keeping it with the Boston theme there you just mentioned, uh, we've got the all-star game auction that had... uh, Ted Williams with a couple of big items up for auction there. 1950s jersey of his, game used, went for $258,500. So very high, over quarter million dollar price tag on that. If that's a little bit outside your price range, how about a 1948 Ted Williams bat? Significantly cheaper, only five figures this time. $47,500 for that bat. That's not a bad deal, right? If I had an extra (laughs) $50,000. Yeah, I, I would consider dropping it on that. Yeah, well, uh, Willie Mays home uniform from 1972 in the same auction uh, reached the number of $188,000. So, you know what that tells you guys? Check your closets, check your aunt's closets, check your uncle's closets, check your grandparents' closets. Any old uniforms, bats, they're worth big bucks, right, Drew? They definitely are. I mean, keep an eye on those thrift shops. You never know if something might have snuck through at some point there. No, I know you know you always hear about guys finding like Pratt Stars old uh, high school jersey and you just never know. So check it out. Hey guys, we want to congratulate Ted Mann and our friends at uh collects.app. They have hit 200,000 users, which is a huge, huge uh, milestone for them. Uh, I think when Drew and I started following them, they were less than 500 when we when we started using it. It is a great app if you're going to a card show, if you're going, uh, you want to know what, you, uh, keep track of your collection, you can scan your card in. It's collects.app. It's free. It is a fun, it's a great app. I'm going to use it at the National uh, next week. Drew, how about you? Yeah, I'm definitely going to have that up and running pretty much the entire time that we're out there. So congratulations to Ted Mann and his crew. 200,000 users is awesome. Speaking of national, we want to remind everyone we are having our listener meetup at the Boardwalk Burger Bar at the Tropicana Hotel. It's going to be Thursday, July 28th from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. Once again, we will have a listener meetup. You want to meet me and Drew and Les. We will be there. We'll have some giveaways. We're going to have uh, maybe some uh, trivia contests about the show. We'll have, we'll have all sorts of fun. We'll just be talking, uh, collecting and autographs, and you can show off all the stuff that you've gotten at the show the first two days. We are, again, at the at the Boardwalk Burger Bar, Tropicana Hotel, Thursday, July 28th from 6.30 to 7.30. Please stop on by. Got some new uh, names added there to the signers list that uh, we mentioned them last week, but I think that's probably going to about wrap up the additions to the list. 
But adding them all the way up here to the last couple of weeks, we're going to have Mookie Wilson, Lou Pinella, and Gary Sheffield, three from the baseball world right there. Yarmir Yager, future Hockey Hall of Famer, is going to be signing there. As will actor Thomas Ian Nicholas. You may remember him as Henry Rowan Gartner in the Rookie of the Year movie, as well as uh, playing character in the American Pie series as well. And this is kind of a buyer beware, guys. All, all, most of the tickets for the National have sold out. There are some day tickets, I believe, avail available. But there are some tickets that they're selling on secondary markets. And the National has uh, put out a notice, a notice to watch out for fakes because they're um, – a lot of the tickets that they saw that were on secondary markets were not being uh, on sale by people who had bought tickets. So just be careful, buyer beware. This is kind of buyer beware, you guys. If you, you don't have your national tickets in hand, be careful if you're buying on a secondary market. Uh, we're going to be at the CSG booth on Thursday and Friday. So make sure you stop by there. I believe it's 1445, 1455, one of those numbers. They're right along the 1400 aisle, at least. Shouldn't be able to miss us. But a Thursday and Friday, we're going to be up there from noon until one. So stop on by, say hi, might have some giveaways, might uh, get some questions from you, uh, maybe some short question answer sessions with people, anything that we might feature on the podcast. So, you know, stop on by, say hi to us Thursday and Friday. That's from 12 until one. Yeah. And our friend Les Wolf is going to be doing a presentation during the National on Sunday, July 31st from 11 a.m. to noontime on the main stage. And uh, we're going to hear for more from Les coming up next. Uh, Les talks about what's going to be happening at the National. So sit back and enjoy my interview with, with a hobby legend, Mr. Les Wolf. And now it's time for more from Les with hobby legend, Les Wolf. All right, guys, he's playing hurt. He's the Cal Ripken of Junior of TTM. <laughs> We're talking, of course, about the legend, Mr. Les Wolf. Les is joining us today. Done under a little weather, but. Uh, he's still he's still coming to bat to hit the home run. So welcome, Les. Hi, how you doing? Good. Did you watch the All Star Game? Are you an All Star Game guy? Yeah, I watched it. Watched the home run derby. That was more fun. Yeah, the, I thought the game was pretty good. I was a little surprised uh, how how good the game was. Yeah, I was kind of hoping it was going to end in a tie. I wanted to see a home run derby end the game. I did too. Did you like the um the pitchers being mic'd? Yeah, I love it. I did too. I thought that was very good and. Uh, and uh, Rodriguez out in center field was he was funny. He was he, I thought he was pretty good as well. I thought Trevino and uh, Cortez together were were hysterical. Yeah, you know what? Uh, Cortez would he was he wasn't as talkative, but uh, Trevino did fine. But it was uh, it was pretty good. Well, Les, welcome. We have we we got the national coming up next uh, next week. We're all getting prepared. Less a little under the weather, but we're going to talk a little national. But before we talk about that. This week we had Al Woodall on. Al was a, a quarterback with the Jets, backup quarterback with the Jets during the, the Joe Namath uh, teams back in the early 70s and mid-70s. Do you have any recollection of Al as a player, or did you ever get to meet him and, and get his autograph? Yes, I did. He had an, an, has a nice, neat handwriting. You can read it. Nice yep. guy. Mo most football players are usually really nice, especially back in the 70s. Um, I can hardly... Very few guys in the 70s were not nice guys in the 60s, yeah. 70s, and 80s. He was day. really forthcoming about uh, his time with Namath. And, you know, he was friends with John Riggins. I believe he was his roommate. And uh, he was talking about playing in Shea Stadium. And, uh, you know, he, he didn't play that many games. You know, he didn't get to, he didn't did too many games. Do you have any recollections of, of uh, him as a player? You, you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. You didn't play that much. 
<laughs> well, he was a good interview. I was, I was glad to have him on the show. Well, Les, we have National coming up in Atlantic City next week. Uh, hopefully, you're going to be healthy enough to attend. I know, I know you're excited. What do you have planned for your booth? I plan on showing some of the most diverse and interesting things I've ever had. And diverse is the key word in there. Well, can you give us an example of a few things you might have? I can't. If I tell you, I have to kill you. <laughs> are you um, going to have, wait, wait, are you going to have the triple crown baseball? Yes. I'll have that. I'm waiting. I got to have uh, Jimmy write a letter on it. I'm going to have that. I'm going to have uh, a poster signed by the Clash. Nice. Uh, with Joe Strummer. I have a poster signed by Blondie. I have amazing Ali short signed. Um, I've got the Super Bowl helmets signed by the Giants and the last two championship Giants, Super Bowl winning teams. Um, baseball just got in a 1928 route, the Garrick ball. Yeah, I, I, you posted that, right? I think I saw that yeah. on, on social media. Yes, I posted that. And of course, the triple crown ball is just, that took me forever to get Cabrera, but it, it's just, it's just a beautiful ball. Oh, I agree. I, he... have, I have two of them. Only reason why I'm selling one. And it took me, like I said, it took me forever to, uh, to get Cabrera on it. You got Mantle, Robinson, Yaz, Cabrera, and who else? Frank Robinson. Frank Robinson, right. That's a, that's a, it's a nice ball. Well, guys, Les is going to be at the booth. He's going to be at booth 1800, correct? Yes, sir. 1800 at the national. He's going to have all sorts of cool stuff for sale. So uh, you can stop on by, but uh, Les is also doing a presentation on the main stage at the national on Sunday, July 31st at 11 a.m. What's the presentation going to be uh, encompassing? Is it 11? I didn't even know. You know better than I do. Yeah. 11 a.m. They didn't even tell me yet, really. Yep. That's what it is then. Yeah. Yes, folks, if you need to know anything, ask Jeff Baker. <laughs> Jeff Baker, the touchdown, the touchdown maker. Yeah, well, Stephen Baker is going to be there signing, so I'm going to get his autograph at the, at the, at the National. No relation. <laughs> so okay. what do you think, what's, the, what's the presentation going to entail? What, how long is it going to be? What's the, what's, what's, what do you encompass? It's my, you... it's my standard of it. Um, presentation on how to collect, invest, protect, and preserve memorabilia. Is it going to be, you're going to have, um, you're going to bring any stuff to demonstrate in terms of stuff that you've sought, you, you have that got um, damaged or one way or the other, or are you going to have, uh, and is it going to be a hands-on thing? Are you going to have, uh, is it going to be a PowerPoint thing? What, what's it going to be like? It's a PowerPoint. It's going to be a PowerPoint and it'll show examples of things that you should be doing in order to in order to protect your collection. And are you going to be doing appraisals as well? If there's time at the end, I'm just going to give uh, an estimate of approximate value. How, how long is the presentation going to be? 45 minutes to an hour. Okay, so guys, guys, Les is, going to questions. Be, Les is going to be on the main stage at the National Sunday, January July 31st, I'm sorry, July 31st from 11 a.m. to about noontime. Uh, it's going to be how to protect, preserve uh, your collection. 
and he might do some appraisals at, at the uh, end of it if he has time and he's going to be answering all sorts of questions and if you maybe if you mentioned him uh, you, you heard about him at ttm cast we might have a special prize for you i'm gonna try to make make it make it make it there for, for lessons presentation uh he is going to be in booth number 1800 at the national he's bringing all sorts of cool stuff if you have any questions you want to uh get Les's autograph we're going to have some Les wolf autographs to give to be given away as well at the national that we're going to be giving away so all sorts of cool stuff at the national we're very excited and what is this how many nationals have you been this would be my 26th 26th national so you, I think you've probably been to more nationals than than 99% of the people. <laughs> you've been you you've been to a lot of them, so it's gonna be it's kind of cool. Um, is there anything uh, you know? Are you inviting people to bring stuff over? You know, if they have stuff there they're looking to sell, are you buying at the national as well? All the time. All the time. Buy, sell, trade, or auction, whatever you like. Are you exclusively uh, autograph stuff, less, or is there anything else that you're looking for? My number one autograph looking for um, is a Sonny Liston signed 8x10 in the boxing pose. Okay, so for, if you have anything, uh, yeah, Sonny Liston autograph is 8x10, uh, he's looking for that. Um, are, you looking, are you looking for any other memorabilia or just uh, really autograph stuff? Mainly autograph stuff. Well, guys, check it out. Les is going to be at the National. We will be uh, in, in and out of his booth during the National, hopefully visiting with Les, and hopefully he will be healthy enough to go. If you can tell, Les is fighting fighting some uh, illness right now, but he he stepped to the plate. He, he, he plays hard. So <laughs> we appreciate your time today, Les. Again, Les will be at the National in booth 1800. He's also doing a presentation at the National on Sunday, July 31st on the main stage from 11 a.m. to noon. Stop by and see that. Stop by his booth, 1800. And uh, if you have anything that you're, you're looking to sell or trade that's autographed, visit Les and uh, maybe you and Les can make a deal. So uh, I think Sounds that's about good. it, Les. Sounds good to me. All right, cool. Well, thank you for your time. And we will see you in, in like five or six days away now. Uh, it's next next Tuesday is when it starts for the dealers. Yeah, I believe Wednesday, Wednesday night, I think is um, is for for everybody else. Yep, preview night. So we will. I will. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll definitely stop by Wednesday night, and uh, you have a, a safe trip down and ha have fun setting up. And we will see you next week. Sounds good. All right, Take care of you. Well, everybody, be safe and get down there soon. All right. Thanks. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Les. Bye. Well, guys, if you're going to be at the National, make sure you stop by for Lesson's presentation. It's going to be really a great presentation on to protect and preserve your collection. Once again, it's Sunday, July 31st from 11 a.m. to noon on the main stage at the National. Hopefully you will uh, stop by and hopefully you'll see us at the show. Drew, you got we, we talked about this at the onset, but you get your you got week one coming up of your trip. We do. Yeah, going to be hitting uh, five games over the next about six days or so. Got uh, what Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Tuesday. All that before the national starts, so four games in there. But really looking forward to that. We're going to have uh, Birmingham at Rocket City on Friday night. It'll be the first uh, time I've been to a game at up in uh, Huntsville, Alabama. There, of St. Paul at Indianapolis on Saturday evening, Sunday afternoon. Columbus plays at Toledo. We'll take Monday off to go and see Cedar Point, great amusement park right there along Lake Erie. And on Tuesday, we're going to be seeing an afternoon game between Harrisburg and the Akron Rubber Ducks. Is there one game you're look really looking forward to? 
Um, I would say, honestly, out of those four, the uh, last two when it comes to autograph stuff, because I mean, well, autograph and food stuff, I should say, because with Toledo, we've got Spencer Torkelson was just sent down this week, so I might hopefully have a chance of getting a couple cards knocked out by him. It's on two in that uh, Top Heritage Miner set, so I need to get him on at least one of those if I can while I'm there. But then on Tuesday in Akron, that's where the best food that we're going to find on the entire trip is. They have this great extreme menu there. I think it's like seven different options on there, and I'm looking through it here today, and I still don't know which one I'm going to go with when we get there. How about, you know what, I, I forgot to ask you earlier, what do you kind of what do you budget for for the trip not the national portion of the trip but just going to see all the games do you do you figure okay i'm going to spend fifty dollars a game with, with ticket and parking food or what well, how do you what do you usually budget for these i honestly don't remember now i'd have to look back on that but i think around i, I try to keep it as cheap as i can i typically go for like twenty dollars or so a game because i mean we go for cheap seats whenever we can we'll get you know the outfield berm and just you know spend a lot of time walking around or something like that um so you know ten dollars for a ticket and then $10 or so for food, something like that. Might want to bump it up to 15 occasionally here and there, but yeah, for the most part, I just, you know, do it like that and try to keep it as cheap as I can possibly do it. it you know, I, I go to a couple minor league games a year and the, the attendance is really sparse. Is it, is that what you're, you're seeing as well when you go to the minor league games? It varies quite a bit from market to market. I mean, I was looking at uh, tickets early on for uh, Rocket City and they're, they're actually sold out on all the regular seated tickets. There's only a uh, berm seating and standing room only kind of stuff left for this game. It's like, that's, kind of a major surprise to me but then you get other games where yeah I mean last year when we went to I think it was uh, Charleston West Virginia it was an afternoon game so I mean of course nobody's going to be there but yeah it was absolutely dead out there it seemed like so it really yeah it kind of varies I think from market to market yeah and I think Worcester when you go to Worcester they, they sell they do very well but uh New Hampshire not as well they, they, you, they won't there won't be a crowd at the New Hampshire game I don't think all right <laughs> well, we have some new releases to let everyone know about. Um, the 2021-22 Panini National Treasure Basketball uh, is coming out. You get 10 cards, four autos, four memorabilia, a printing plate, and one base or par base parallel for between $4,500 and $5,000. So it is a higher-end release. Once again, 2021-22 Panini National Basketball Treasures Basketball is out, and that's $4,500 to $5,000 for a box. Uh, coming up on the end of those 2021 football releases, but we've got a, at least one other one here from uh, Don Russ Optic. So uh, me cranking out a couple right there with uh, 20 packs of four cards per box. We get one autograph, 20 rated rookies, 10 parallels, and four inserts. That's all going to run you about 950 to to $1,000 right now. Not bad. And uh, this is a kind of cool one. This is coming out on the 27th, the 2022 tops tier one baseball you get three cards it's only one pack two autos and one relic uh not bad for about 200 bucks so that's not not a not a bad deal i don't think so three cut three cards per uh box 2022 tops tier one baseball uh not a bad deal for 200 bucks you're one of the big spenders out there check out panini eminence football that's coming out this week you're gonna see 10 cards in there nine of them will be autographed that price tag, though, $24,000 for that one. So hitting the five digits there for, uh, for that product. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's like, do you want a card? Do you want a bo box of football cards, right? Right, yep. <laughs> well, there's a couple uh, hockey uh, cards got delayed. They're supposed, they would do out this week. Um, upper Deck Clear Cut Hockey and Upper Deck Black Diamond Hockey were supposed to come out this week, but they have been delayed, and there is no new release date on that. 
So kind of that wraps up Baker's dozen for for the week. Uh, we had a, we have a lot to talk about. We had a lot to talk about with Baker's dozen, but I want to introduce a brand new segment. This is going to be a monthly segment. We're going to do it, we did it every month up until um, October into November, and then we're going to start doing it every week. And we're calling it Corner Kicks, and it's with Clemente Lise. Clemente is a uh, soccer collecting expert. He collects soccer cards and stickers and everything that's related to soccer and Clemente is going to come on and talk to us about soccer cards because I know nothing about <laughs> soccer cards and when we get into the World Cup he's really going to give us a, a every week he's going to give us the guys that we should look out car I'll look out for guys we should collect teams we should collect so uh please enjoy my brand new segment corner kicks with Clemente Lise. And now it's time for Corner Kicks with Clemente Lisi. Goal! Well, we got to come up with a name for this new segment because I haven't had one yet, and I usually come up with some good ones. But I want to introduce Clemente Lisi. Clemente is going to join us as uh, our soccer correspondent. Uh, uh, we, I know nothing about soccer. I am totally ignorant about it. We have the World, World Cup coming up in November. There's all sorts of soccer collecting. People ask me questions about soccer every every week. And now we have somebody that I can get answers from. Welcome, Clemente. Thanks for having me, Jeff. You're welcome. Clemente, why don't you give us a little background in, in, in what you're uh, into and collecting? Yeah, so, you know, I grew up in New York City. So thanks for having me on. I know you're a Boston guy, so we won't talk about the Yankees or anything. Yeah, yeah. No, it's okay. We were two and two this weekend. And it was, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. all right. Yeah, yeah. You guys did all right. Um, so I grew up in New York City and you know in the 80s and I grew up, you know, collecting baseball cards and hockey cards. I love those. But my parents were from Italy. And so in the summers we'd go there and I'd collect uh soccer stickers there. And it's kind of funny how I at the time I thought those two universes were really very separate from each other. And it seems like in the last maybe four or five years, those two have kind of merged. I mean, maybe you know, you've seen them or you're you're Listeners have, uh, they've seen soccer stickers slabbed now at card shows and stickers that 10, 15 years ago, nobody would have spent more than three, four dollars on now are worth hundreds of dollars. Right. And if you're like me, those stickers now live in an album somewhere. So they're not um, individual. Right. Um, yep. they're on cards, you put them in an album, you fill the album up and then the album is worth something, maybe. Um, but so that's so these two universes have kind of collided. You know, I, of course. Took a big break from collecting uh, in the uh, '90s and 2000s. And I only came back to it in the last five years, and I got back into soccer cards. You know, or, or I should say, back into it. But I got into, you know, I, I realized, wow, there's soccer cards now. And I don't think they were as popular. I think 2018, the World Cup in 2018, the, the Panini Prism set that year really yeah. got people into it. And I was buying soccer cards on eBay in 2017, 2018 for pretty cheap. And then the pandemic came, and then nothing got cheap. And so. Soccer cards are expensive. I mean, I go to card shows all the time in the New York area and cards that are three, four dollars are going for 10, 15 now. So and I think a lot of collectors, a lot of dealers anyway, don't know what they have. Right. So they overprice everything I've noticed. Um, so it's a tough time to buy, I would I, I think, because um, you're buying high now, I think, especially with the World Cup coming up. There's a lot of hype. 
Uh, well, is the is the soccer cards that they're releasing now? Are those uh, Premier League guys, or are those guys from the uh, the 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 you know the, the the Revolution League, which at the National whatever what league is that? I'm not I'm not a soccer fan, so forgive yeah, me. So, so yeah, I, I always tell people if you're if you're interested in soccer, look at it like college football. You know, every country has its own domestic league, so think of that as like a conference. And then the World Cup is a, a tournament held every four years where the, the teams that qualify field their best players, almost like an all-star team, right? Yep. Players from that country. And so the World Cup is every four years. So the World Cup is like the Olympics. Everybody gets into it. Like everyone gets into figure skating and gymnastics every four years, but then they forget about it, right? Now the diehard soccer fans will then follow, of course, domestic leagues, the Premier League in England, the Major League Soccer in the United States, uh, Serie A in Italy. And, the, and there's star players in all of these countries. And... Uh, Donruss, Panini, Prism, uh, Tops have increasingly released sets from those countries. So depending on what league you like, that's the league you end up buying those sets. Um, but I always tell people, if you're looking for rookie cars in soccer, it's extremely difficult because they're spread out over many different sets over different countries. European um, soccer leagues don't have a draft. So it's not like every year there's a class of fresh blood coming in there isn't yeah. i mean you have to sort of there was a lot of young talent coming in during the pandemic because teams had to field other players because of covid and everything else so all of a sudden in 18 19 19 20 21 there were a lot of rookies in soccer i think that spoiled a lot of new people were like oh this is great and if you look at the, the last year there's maybe one or two guys that you want to collect but there aren't that many good rookies so if you're a rookie card guy it's very difficult Right. And now, does is like Panini Prism? They I see they have releases all the time. Right. Like the Premier, they do a Premier League release. Premier League, okay. Right. So that's so that's, that's all from England, right? That's all, from, all from England. England and guys playing in England. So they could be foreigners, but they're playing in the English league, and they could be a really good player. Rookie card is in there, for example. Right. Now, if that player were to play at the World Cup, and then Prism puts out his card, that could also be considered as rookie card. I mean, there's a lot of debate over what the rookie card is, right? So in soccer, especially because the RC logo isn't always on the card. And so that makes it difficult. Um, so if you're new, there's a lot of waters to navigate that are really, really kind of um, um, difficult. A lot of soccer collectors love soccer autos. They're pulling autographs. I mean, you yeah. want to pull a Leo Messi. It doesn't matter if it's, it's on his rookie card. It doesn't matter. It's, it's a messy autograph, right? It's, uh, it's going to be worth a lot. In soccer, unfortunately, autographs are often stickers because players are hard to, you know, they're in, they're in 18 different countries. You can't right. get them down. They're not all in one place. I'll give you an example of the French player, Kylian Mbappe, whose rookie card from uh, Prism 2018 World Cup set is much sought after. He was recently in the United States because it's now offseason in, in European soccer, and he was able to sign a lot of stuff here. So he his, his first on-card autos may be coming out in the next few months, on-card autos are very difficult to get in soccer. So now, how about TTM? Do these guys? A lot of these guys sign through the mail, or is it just kind of like baseball, where it's a kind of hit and miss? Yeah, so it's hit and miss. What I always tell people is, if you want to go after retired American players, they're much easier to get. So, for example, 1994 World Cup in the United States, Upper Deck put out a set. A lot of a lot of American players are in that. Often, it's their first card. If you mail to them, like players like Alexi Lalas, uh, John Harks they'll sign, you know, if you pull, um, Tops has had to deal with MLS for over a decade. If you pull Landon Donovan or Clint Dempsey and you mail those out, you'll get, 
you'll get autographs back. Uh, I have done that and I've got autographs back. Um, European players are harder. What's happening in Europe is you write to a European team. Let's say you write to Real Madrid. You say, I'm, I'm a fan in America. And these teams love to have fans around the world. You know, sure. you see people in New York walking around with Real Madrid jerseys, just like you would see a guy in Paris with a Yankees jersey on, right? It's, it's an international team. So they love getting correspondence from around the world. And what they often do is they'll send you a team postcard that's either a facsimile auto or sometimes a real auto. And so these three by five postcards are becoming collectible now as well. Um, I recommend if you do write to European teams, do it between September and May when the season's in, in, in full swing. And I think if you're coming from the United States or Canada, um, it's more attractive because they want fans from around the world. And you may get a facsimile auto. That's not worth a whole lot. But if you do get the on-card stuff it's or on-postcard, I should say, it's, it's something that fans are increasingly um, getting. If you mail a card, you're probably not going to get one back or get it back. So. Who has uh, who has rights to the World Cup? Do you know, and what releases can we expect uh, yeah, so leading Panini, up to the World Cup? Yeah, Panini has the rights to the World Cup. So what Panini will do is there's a lot of sets coming out now. I always tell people, please save your money because you want to get the Panini Prism World Cup set, which will probably come out in October, November, right when the World Cup is about to start. Those boxes, I'm guessing, could go for a thousand dollars, maybe, and then on the on the secondary market, even more. I mean, there's boxes from 2018, 2014 that are sealed, they're going for thousands now, okay? And then the other thing to look out for is the Panini World Cup sticker album, right? Now, this is the first World Cup that I can remember where the stickers may end up being worth something, but not in the book. Like, you get the sticker, you pull it pristine, right. you mail it, you, uh, you get it graded, and then that's something that might be worth something. Now, it's interesting because Panini, as always said, they print this, they don't tell you how many, but they print the same amount of stickers for every player. So there aren't any more or less of anybody else. And if you can't finish your album, you could write to Panini, at least you could have in the past, and they would send you the, the stickers you needed for like a 50 cents a sticker or something. That could all go away. I don't know. I think collectors are going to really make a run on Leo Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo stickers. It could be their last World Cup. So it could be their last World Cup sticker. Um, and then you don't know what new players could emerge. What's going to happen during the World Cup? It's a month long tournament, starts November 18th, ends December. 19th what will happen over that time is i think players player values will go up and down like a stock right oh so, so, so that's, that's why we got to have you on my friend because right. it's going to change daily and <laughs> we're speaking with clemente Lisi. clemente is going to be uh, is our soccer correspondent we're going to talk to clemente at least once a month leading up to the world cup and then at world cup time we're going to have, have him on every week to just talk about the effect of what's happening on the pitch and how that affects the player's value and who we should collect and who we should look at and what releases are going on. And, uh, you know, look, leading into uh, Clemente, is there any countries that we should really be watching out for that might be kind of dark horses in terms of, uh, in being, uh, investable, you know, having investable players on them? Yeah, no, that's a good question. So what I always say is uh, countries around the world, really like to underestimate the United States. So I always say, you know what, buy, you know, buy pl a U.S. player cards. And many of them are in MLS. Many of them are in the top set from MLS in the last couple of years. Those tend to be relatively cheap. You know, it's funny, but soccer is an international game, but the soccer hobby is really guided by the United States. Most collectors are here. Most people in Europe and South America are still buying stickers. Americans are buying, Americans and Canadians are buying the cards. And so I would say, you know, any U.S. player, you know, if you want to go after Christian Pulisic, he's one of the best American players 
I suspect he will have a very good World Cup if you want to get his rookie cards. They're 2016 Panini Donruss uh, rated rookie. You know, you go after that. It's not super expensive. The base cards are not that expensive. I'm still a base card guy. I know people don't like base. No, I, I love base. I, I'm a big base card guy. I love base cards. The parallels are nice if you pull them, but I wouldn't go out and pay thousands of dollars for some sparkly thing that, you know, may not be held hold its value, especially if he has a terrible tournament. And the thing with the World Cup is the players are chosen by the managers. So you can be in the World Cup this time and four years from now, you're off the radar and then your career kind of tanks. So it's, it, it, you know, soccer is, you know, it's a very, very um, subjective thing. Um, so I would go after, you know, U.S. players. You know, Canada qualified for the World Cup for the first time since 86. That's good because the hobby is also firmly cemented in Canada. And Alfonso Davies is one of their star players. He plays in Europe now with a German team called Bayern Munich. But he started out playing in MLS for the Vancouver Whitecaps. You can get his tops. I think it was 2018. Rookie card 2017. You can go back and get that. And it's not super expensive. I would, I would do that, you know. I notice you, you don't find those cards mostly at shows. They might be in bins, but eBay is your best place. Com C. Those are, those are places. How about country? How about like the powerhouse countries like Brazil and Italy and England? Are they, who's the favorite going in? Is, is, is it one of those teams? Yeah. So Italy, you know, the team I root for aside from the U S did not qualify. So that's a big disappointment. Um, half of New York and half of Boston will be upset by that. But, um, but it's the usual suspects in soccer. It's Brazil, it's Argentina, it's France with defending champions. It's Spain, it's Germany. Those are the teams you got to look for. Um, maybe Portugal. Brazil is the heavy favorite. They always are. Um, and they've had been since Pele. And then Argentina is a favorite because they're a strong team, but also because they have Messi, who's trying to really make that push for to win a World yep. Cup finally. So he has, he's never done that. He's, he's still the Dan Marino of soccer. He's never won the World Cup still. So. Is there any goalie? I'm a big goalie guy in hockey. I love the, the goalies. Uh, it, it, goalie doesn't seem to be as an important position in soccer. Is there any goalies that might stand out? Yeah, you know, goalie is interesting. Like the U.S. has three, four, five goalies they can use. Now in soccer, as you know, unlike other sports, you know, you don't really rotate your goalie. It's not like a pitcher. So right. you, you go with the starter. That, that's the guy. So Matt Turner looks like he may end up being the starter for the U.S., he played in MLS up until now. He's going to go move to Arsenal in England now over the summer. Um, so he's someone I would look after. Other team goalies, you know, no one really stands out. A lot of these goalies have been, you know, starters for almost a decade. So in terms of going for their cards, it's much more difficult. If you go back in time and looking for cards, like you're looking for a Leo Messi rookie, you got to go back 2004 to a Spanish set. Yeah. That is increase, increasingly difficult to find. And if you do find the single card, it's thousands of dollars. They've been graded. Um, the pop reports are not that high on those cards. But yeah, in that sense, it's um, soccer goalies are almost like hockey goalies. The values go up, but then they kind of plateau, right? I feel like they don't, they don't hold their value like, like you would see with, a, with a attacking players, you know, players that score goals. That's, yep. that's the goal in soccer. I mean, I love, I love defending, right? I love watching defenders play, but the values of those guys don't, are not there. You know, it's the guys who score the goals that get all the, all the love. Now, the World Cup is in Dubai, right? It's in yeah, Dubai it's this in, year? in Qatar. Yeah, it's the first time yeah. the World Cup is being held in the Middle East. It's also the first time the World Cup is being held in the winter. As the I winter, speak, right. As I speak with you, the World Cup should be happening June, July, and which is a great time for the World Cup because it's hot out here. And it's other sports are really died down. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with the World Cup. Like, for example, the U.S. plays England uh, the day after Thanksgiving. Okay. 
Now that's going to be a great, that's a coincidence, obviously, but that's going to be a great day. That might end up being the highest rated soccer game in American history because people are going to be home on Black Friday. Uh, there's no football to interfere with it. So, you know, the calendar might work out, but it's going to be difficult to have soccer compete with the NFL, for example, on various days, um, on weekends, for example. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what, how that dynamic plays out. Um, as you know, if, if the World Cup was being held now, there's no NHL, no NBA, no NFL. There's just yeah. baseball, right? Much, much better there. Um, but when Qatar got the World Cup, you know, and there was a lot of cloud of suspicion and corruption around that, as, as you know. Um, and what happened was they realized, wow, it's 115 degrees in the summer in Qatar. We, we can't have this. <laughs> what are we going to do? Right, what are we going to do? It's like, let's move it to November where it's 85 degrees, right? And it, what it will do too is disrupt all the European leagues, right? MLS has to move up their championship game now because of all, because all of a sudden in the middle of the season, there'll be this one month where, everyone is doing something else and then goes back to playing, you know, back in England, back in Spain, whatever. So it's going to be weird, but I mean, it's the world cup. You're not going to, people are not going to want to miss it. People who never watch soccer watch the world cup. So do you think the time difference is going to uh, affect the popularity at all? I, I mean, I, I, there's a lot of buzz this year, I think of the world cup and uh, I'm just not quite sure how that's going to affect it. You know, sometimes when they have the Olympics in China, it doesn't has a, have as big a push as it, if if it's in you know if it's in Mexico City or something you know. Yeah, no, that's totally true. So I remember the 2002 World Cup, for example, was held in Japan, South Korea, and games were literally on at you know 2 a.m., 5 a.m., and it did okay. And that was 20 years ago when soccer was not as popular as it is today. But the games are going to be broadcast basically throughout the day. It's not much different from the Champions League, for example, that those games are on at three o'clock in the afternoon Eastern. Yeah. Those do pretty well. Now, I think it helps that people are working from home now where they're cheating and they're watching the game from, you know, on their TVs or they're at work and they're watching on their phones. You know, 20 years ago, you had to literally get up from your office seat and sneak into a bar to watch a game. Now you can watch it on your phone or you can watch it on, on your computer and your boss doesn't know. It's a little bit like March Madness, right? Like it's on during the day and people still watch it. it um, so I don't think the time difference will hurt too much. It's not going to be overnight. So that would be, that'd be way worse. Um, yeah, I agree. Well, I think from a collecting standpoint, that's why I have you on. I think uh, soccer is, is certainly an upper coming, uh, you know, the, if, uh, my, my age group, we're not as much into soccer as, as, as you, you're, you're at your age group and younger, but uh, I think it's very exciting. You know, the, the world cup, as you said, is always uh, great. It's a great spectacle. It's a great event. And I look forward to talking soccer with you and learning more about it because I honestly don't know anything other other than I know the New England revolutions. And, right. and I remember Alexi Lyle Lawless and some of these other guys. But right. <laughs> I'm like, you're going to be you're going to be the the, the 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 Jedi of soccer for, for TTM cast. And you're I'm more, you know, I'm more than happy to help. I wrote a piece in Sports Collectors Digest in June where I kind of outlined a lot of these issues we're talking about. So if people want to go back and read that piece that that's kind of a primer. Um, but like I said, like we said earlier, it, it's going to evolve over over the course of the tournament where players will go up and down and maybe, you know, I'll come back with your top five and bottom five or whatever, you know, but people it's going to be like day trading. It's going to be crazy because it happens in other sports, but other sports take nine months to go by. You know, this will be 30 days. Right. Really okay. condensed. And it's going to be Fine. like every day. And it's just going to be it's yeah. it's going to be it's going to be exciting. So it's, it's going to be the first World Cup, I think, where there is this card collecting component attached to it. You know, 2018, I don't remember. I don't remember this whole talk about prism and 
players going up and down. I don't remember any of that happening. Yep. It didn't really happen. The popularity group during the pandemic, I, I guess something akin to this would be with Formula One cards, right? Where popularity goes up. But, but even the Formula One season lasts, you know, months and months and months. So this is a kind of a unique thing. I would tell people, think of it like March Madness where things are Yeah, happening. perfect, perfect. Yeah. Things are happening in a really condensed period. And because there isn't the popularity with college basketball cards, but if there were, that would be the same thing, you know? Um, so if you're not into soccer, I would just get into it now just to play around with it. It, it could be, it could, you know, it's a little bit like uh, fantasy sports. It could get you into watching it. And you're only spending a few dollars here and there on cards. It's not a big deal. And you know what? And the cards that you're stuck with, you can always, if they're American players, you could always TTM them, so... Yeah, well, thank you. Guys, if you have any questions, soccer questions, just send them to me. Clemente uh, Lisi is his name. You can send it to me directly at ttmcast at yahoo.com. I'll forward them over to Clemente, and then uh, he's going to be on the show every month leading up to the uh, World Cup. And then during the, sh the World Cup, the whole event, we're going to have him on every week. Just, just talk soccer, talk collecting, talk values, talk guys that, that we should look at. Explain to me what's going on, who, who the, who's the teams we should watch, who's the players we should watch, and, and make World Cup just a, a, a fun time for all of us. So thank you, Clemente. I'm looking forward to uh, speaking with you. No, it's great. Yeah, one other thing I want to add before I go, I'd be remiss. If, if you're new to soccer, you know, I do have a new book that's coming out um, in October called The FIFA World Cup, A History of the Planet's Biggest Sporting Event. It's out October 12th. It, it's updated until the 2018 World Cup. If you're interested in the past, if you're new to soccer and you want to know, hey, who were the stars of the past? What are some of the best games, uh, best players? That book is available on Amazon and other places. And then, like I said, if you, you know, soccer is great in that, you know, I'm here to evangelize. If, you know, new fans are always coming on board and, you know, often fans who watch the World Cup stick around and end up watching, you know, the Premier League and Serie A and Champions League. And because that's where the real soccer is played day-to-day, month-to-month. The World Cup is kind of like the Olympics. It shows up every four years. So Yeah, I mean, these guys are great athletes and they're, they're great competitors. And other than the diving, <laughs> the taste that's, place. Only, that's only the Italians. and They won't be there this time. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Clemente. Thank you. We will talk to you next month. Guys, if you have any questions for Clemente about soccer, soccer collecting, soccer cards, if you have stuff that you're not quite sure uh, if there's a worth to it or you, you have questions, just send it to me at ttmcast at yahoo.com and I'll forward them off to Clemente. We can ask him on our next uh, our next visit. And uh, if you guys really love him, we'll bring we'll bring him on more times. But right now we're going to go every every month until the World Cup and then every week during the World Cup, maybe in uh, maybe we'll start in October leading up to the World Cup because I'm going to I'm going to have more questions as we go. So thank you, Clemente. I look forward to uh, speaking with you again. Thanks, Jeff. Well, Drew, Clemente Lise knows more about soccer and soccer collecting than I will ever know in my life. And I think it's going to be a great addition to the show, don't you? I definitely think so. I mean, that's a very uh, big growing area right now in the collectibles world is everything in soccer. It's a worldwide sport. People love it absolutely in Europe and South America. And it's, I mean, it's getting inroads in the United States, too. So definitely great to have him on board. And uh Maybe we'll get to hear a little bit about 1980s indoor soccer in there. <laughs> we can, we can always ask him. Well, Clemente uh, has written articles for sportscollectorsdaily.com. He is also writing a new book that's going to be out in October, I believe. So Clemente is the go-to guy when it comes to uh, sports collecting and soccer. And we're so pleased to have him on the show. Uh, we will have Clemente back on next month, which will be in August. We'll have him on in August, in September, 
October. And then probably every week, once the World Cup starts, we will have him on every week. So let us know what you think about uh, our segment with Clemente. I think he's going to be a great addition. Next up, we're going to have Making the Grade. Making the Grade is sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win. Making the Grade is a summary of what's been going on in the grading community. And we have some uh, news from our friends at CSG. We do. We mentioned last week they were closing in on that 1 million cards graded mark. They have passed it. I mean, the same week they uh, we had the news they were inching in on it. But uh, February 2021 is when they started grading cards, and they've hit that million mark since just that time. They're the fastest company out of all the graders to reach the 1 million card mark. So congratulations to them. Looking forward to 2 million. News from PSA. PSA has opened their vault. It's located in Delaware. Any item that gets put in their vault is fully insured. But this is what I love. The vault, this is actually a physical vault. It's a real vault. has 24-7, 365-day arm guards which is really cool. There's the door to the vault is a class three torch resistant. It has a UL door resistant to UL light and such. And you guys, any card that's graded over a hundred dollars can be put into the PSA vault. So it's kind of cool. Isn't it Drew? Definitely is. I mean, I personally, I'd rather have them right here in my hands, but I mean, for those who have the really high end collections, that is a great, uh, sounds like a great place to store them. Yeah. We have some news from our friends at Beckett and PWCC. We do indeed. The first uh, little bit of news from their new CEO here. They have uh, teamed up with PWCC for a new submission deal. $50 per card. Turnaround time is about $10 and PWCC will list for sale right after that. So definitely interested in seeing how that all works out. I mean, uh, both two big names in the collectibles world, they're kind of teaming up for sales. I like it. Yeah. And Drew, it said $10. It's $50 per card and it's, oh, retra- it's, it's listed in about 10 days, listed on the PWCC site, which is a great, a great deal and a great partnership. So congratulations to both companies on that. That wraps up making the grade. Next up will be our TTMcast stamp of approval. I bet you're wondering who earned this week's TTMcast stamp of approval. Drew, I'm hungry. It's so I'm so hungry. I'm always hungry. <laughs> it's dinner time. What's your stamp of approval? Make me more hungry. I have got to go with Torchy's Tacos because I can't believe it. I don't think I've mentioned them on this show yet, but they are a uh, they're they're becoming a nationwide chain. But they started out in Austin, Texas, just as one little shop. They expanded out to elsewhere in Texas, then throughout the Southwest, and I've actually seen a couple recently opening up. I think in North Carolina or Virginia. So if you're out there and you're near one of them. Check them out when they open it up. It's definitely my favorite of any kind of uh, mass market taco places out there. They've got a lot of really cool ideas they put into tacos. They have a taco of the month that changes every month. Lots of fun stuff. There's even a secret menu if you look around. So you might be able to find that somewhere online. It's, it's a lot easier to find than uh, some of the secret menus out there. But uh, yeah, they, uh, they just got some really great stuff. Check them out. I had them earlier this week. So they're at the forefront of my mind there. So Torchy's Tacos, my stamp of approval. Cool. My stamp approval is also food because Joe and I said we're doing food this week. Well, guys, this is this is my new go to pizza. OK, you got to take uh, a Greek style pizza. And Drew, you've been up to the northeast. So, you know, Greek style pizza, right? Yeah. Bacon. But you get, it's got to be good and well done. Good, well done bacon and Hamburg, like shredded Hamburg, not balls of meat, not round pepperoni Hamburg, like the sh- like shredded Hamburg. You put that on the pizza, you put the bacon on the pizza, you brown it up, make sure it's good and crisp and crunchy. And that is outstanding. Nice. 
it is outstanding pizza. It's, it, you know, the bacon, the bacon's got to be crisp. If it's not crisp, if it doesn't, it's not as good. But make sure it's shredded hamburg, it's crisp bacon on a pizza. Delicious. Try it out. You're not, you don't know what you're missing if you haven't had a bacon hamburg pizza. And that is my TTM cast stamp of approval. You hungry now, Drew? Very hungry. My wife is <laughs> on her way home. She's picking up uh, hot dogs from a place near uh, where she works. So have those for dinner as a, kind of a precursor to the trip, I guess. Well, guys, take a two-second break. Go to your refrigerator. Get something to eat. Because when, uh, when we return and you return, we're going to have a um, Vern Rat Minute. The Vern Rat Minute's coming up next. Well, the Vern Rap Mint is dedicated to Mr. Vern Rap, who I sent the TTM request out to uh, prior to him, uh, after he had passed away, and uh, very embarrassed by sending out a TTM request to him. So we do this as a service to our fellow TTMers and let people know who passed away in the world of sports and celebrities, so you're not embarrassed by sending out a TTM request. And this week, we've lost a couple of people in the world of sports and a couple of celebrities as well. We lost Charles Johnson. Charles was a wide receiver. From 1994 to 2002 with the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Philadelphia Eagles, the New England Patriots, and the Buffalo Bills. He was a, a star at the University of Colorado. He won a Super Bowl with the Patriots. Uh, he uh, actually signed some TTMs. Uh, Charles Johnson was only 50 years old. Uh, we also lost Larry Jeffrey this week. Larry played eight seasons in the National Hockey League. Member of the Red Wings, the Maple Leafs, the Rangers. Won a cup with Maple Leafs in 1967. And, of course, Toronto hasn't won one since. They, got to get, they had to get Larry Jeffrey back in their lineup, and they, they didn't do it. But uh, He was a left winger for them. He was a very good TTMer as well. Larry Jeffrey was 81 years old. In the world of celebrity, in the world of entertainment, we lost uh, Rebecca Balding. Rebecca was an actress. She was on Soap, the old so soap uh, show that was on in the 70s with Billy Crystal and, and a bunch of other guys. And, and he she played uh, Billy Crystal's girlfriend had to, that he had a, a baby with and she was very funny and she was also on the show charmed rebecca balding was only 73 years old Russell lost mickey rooney jr this week uh, the son of the legendary actor mickey rooney senior he was one of the original mouseketeers actually got uh, kicked off the uh cast there uh, jeff was telling me before the uh, show because he was a goof around a little bit too much there between takes so they uh, got rid of him but uh, he also played in willie nelson's band so musician on top of being an actor mickey rooney jr 77 years old in the world of uh, NASCAR, we lost NASCAR driver uh, Bobby East. Bobby uh, was in a altercation, I believe, and, and I think he was stabbed. He was only 37 years old. He wasn't a TTM, but we lost Bobby East, who was uh, only 37 years old. Well, that wraps up the Vern Rap Minute for the week. We, uh, our condolences and so, uh, goes out to friends and family. We are sorry for your loss. Next up is TTM Returns. Was our mailbox full this week? Let's take a look at this week's TTM returns. Well, Drew, how'd you do on returns this week? Well, I doubled what I had last week, which I mean, last week I only had one. So two of them in this week. I got back uh, Pete Metzelar, so you may remember, as a tight end for the Buffalo Bills back in the early 90s. I think he finished his career with the Lions in the mid to late 90s. I was about a three-month turnaround on him, I believe. Uh, he signed three out of the four cards I sent, kept one. I'm good with that, though. 
and one that I've been waiting for for a while. And uh, the note explained what happened. It's uh, Billy Sample, who also took about four months to get back to me. Typically, he's a guy who takes about a month or so turnaround on that. But uh, he always sends back a note with any request that he uh, that he signs. And he noted on there, he said, yeah, so this one took a little bit longer. My uh, desk got a little bit uh, messy and out of hand there. And I guess he must have found it in pile there. But uh, came back to me. And on that one, it's that 1979 Topps Rangers Prospects card that I know I've shown off or mentioned before. So I was able to get um, Pat Putnam on it to start with at his $5 fee. Then got Danny Darwin and now finished off with Billy Sample. So uh, really glad to get that one back. I was starting to get concerned that USPS had somehow lost, but nope, just, uh, just sitting on a desk there. That's kind of cool. Have you sent out any this week or are you just kind of concentrating on national stuff? I actually have a stack of seven here. I was just sitting there like, okay, what can I do here in the meantime? And I had some TTMs I wanted to get out. So I figured, you know what? Let's combine those two together. So I knocked out seven of them. I'll drop in the mailbox tonight. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. I haven't sent out any this week. I've got like seven or eight prepped ready to go. I just got to drop some cards in it, but I, I think I had uh, four returns. Well, three returns on one that I, I mentioned last week that came in the day we were recording. So I'll go through mine quickly. I got the uh, 1976 catchers and outfield rookie card uh, finally signed. It's a uh, four of them. Nice. And I got I completed it. I got Jerry white from the Montreal expo signing it. It had been previously signed by Roy Stillman, Ed Ott, and Andy Merchant, and I sent it out in that order. Andy Merchant first, Ed Ott second, Roy Stillman third, and Jerry White fourth. So now we got, I think this is one of my first four uh, all-rookie cards. I, I like the Andy Merchant. That was, you know, that's a, that was his only tops card for the Red Sox, so that's why I started this one, but it's kind of cool. So I got that. That took about uh, that took about a month to come back, I think. I got Tom Jackson. Tom Jackson, of course, was on ESPN uh, on football and uh, he played linebacker for the Denver Broncos and he signed his 1980 tops football card for me and put his number black Sharpie and got it back in about, I don't know, three weeks. Then I got, this one was kind of cool. I, I saw this one. It's a 1979 tops uh, card. It's an all pro card and it's a Shane Conlon. Shane Conlon was linebacker. He played with Penn state, right? Yep. And he played with the Buffalo bills and I didn't have, I didn't have his autograph. So he signed it nice blue Sharpie with the number, and it, it was. Uh, it took about a month to come back, but I was very happy to get that one back. And then I mentioned this last week, but I'll mention it again. I got Steve Woodard on a 1999 Topps uh, baseball card, and says he was with the Brewers here. He also played with the Cleveland Indians, one of Drew, Drew's team. So uh, he signed a nice blue Sharpie, and I was happy to get that one back. That one took about, I don't know, two, two and a half weeks. So I have probably about, I don't know, 40 out there that I'm waiting to come back and uh, it's been kind of slow the last couple, the last week or so. So hopefully we'll get, get some returns when we come back from uh, the national, but that, that, that kind of wraps up returns for the week. And I, as I said, I've got five or six, I'm going to send out probably this weekend just to just have a few more out there. Uh, but next up, we're going to go right into uh, our weekly interview. This week's interview is brought to you by Certified Sports Guarantee, csgcards.com for superior sports card certification and grading. Well, this week I had the pleasure of entering, interviewing Al Woodall. Al, of course, was a backup quarterback with the New York Jets back in the 70s. He was actually taken by the Super Bowl champion New York Jets in, I believe, the second round of the 1969 draft out of Duke. And he played, um, I think, six seasons with the Jets. And he was Joe Namath's backup. And he talked about uh, being Joe Namath's backup and having a front row seat 
to uh, Ollie Joe Namath's antics. He was also friends with John and roommates with John Riggins when John Riggins played with the Jets. And we talk about uh, collecting and signing autographs and playing in the NFL. So please enjoy my interview with Al Whittle. But first, here is a message from our friends at CSG. Get your sports cards graded by CSG on-site at the National. CSG is thrilled to be your on-site sports card grader at the National. Skip the shipping process and bring your cards to booth 1445, July 27th to 31st in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Also meet the CSG experts, pick up swag, and take part in exclusive show giveaways. We will see you there. For more details, visit csgcards.com. Joining us from his home in Connecticut is Al Woodall. Al was an All-America at Duke. He was drafted in the second round by the J-E-T-S, Go Jets, Jets, in the 1969 NFL draft. He's a quarterback, and we're going to talk to Al about his career and about signing autographs still and, and dealing with fans. So welcome to the program, Al. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I'm thrilled, thrilled to talk to you. Al, um, you know, coming out of when you were in college and, you know, you had a great year, your senior year, were you expecting to get drafted? Uh, good question. It, it wasn't a given. Um, I, I did not expect to get drafted as high as I did, uh, but it was always in the back of my mind that uh, that was my goal. I certainly wanted to a shot to play in the NFL. Do you, you know, when you came in, uh, to a Super Bowl champion team, you you know you were you were coming in now at the height of, of the Jets. Unfortunately, unfortunately, yeah, <laughs> was, yeah, was it right. was it dif- was it difficult for you to to come into that situation? It was in some ways. Um, you know, those guys, uh, as you, as you just said, had just won the big one, and um, Joe Namath was uh, at the top of his career. Um, so it was a lot to uh, aspire to, but, um, but, you know, it was a thrill to be there at the same time, you know, it, they were getting a lot of publicity, you know, New York city, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, it was, it was, um, it was both. It was uh, difficult, but exciting. It was, was it hard for you to have the spotlight on you as uh, the new guy coming in and, uh, you know, the Jets were, were the talk of the town at that time. Was it was really was it difficult to be in that New York fishbowl. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, some some people, Joe Namath, for one, uh, were born for that spotlight. And uh, but, but most people don't realize what they're getting into uh, in the New York spotlight. I certainly did not. Um, I'm, I'm from a town of twenty five hundred people. And. Uh, you know, New York City was a whole new experience for me, and um, I certainly was not ready for the uh, the pressure to perform. But you know, you adapt. As a young kid coming in, you I mean, you really only had what one and a half years of, of starting as a co- as a collegian, right? So you were you were kind of green when you came in. I yeah, I didn't. I only played thirteen games in college. Um, I. I uh, I was hurt. I was a big, tall, skinny kid. Um, I got hurt. And, and then I uh, uh, left school a year early and uh, played a year in the uh, in, a, in a sort of a semi-pro league in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, we were owned by a Plymouth dealership. So our our name were the Roadrunners. <laughs> <laughs> 
And that's where I got drafted out of, out of uh, the Richmond Roadrunners. Did you, um, did, was it hard to learn a, a pro offense? Because the, the Jets were really a, a gunsling team at that point, right? Yes, but, and, and because of Namath. Uh, you yeah. know, I mean, and, and, and let's be uh, uh, real about that. He was, he made the, that offense go. And um, for, for, for me anyways, saying that here, here kid, you're going to run the same offense as Namath um, had, had its challenges. <laughs> I didn't have the same skill set he had. I was a, I had a, a good arm. I could always throw, but I didn't have the feet that he had. That's what I was going to ask you because, um, I always wonder if a team puts in a different offense for, for the, for the backup quarterback or, or the backup quarterback has to come in and kind of basically run that same offense that the, that the starter was running. And, you know, Namath, Namath obviously was injury prone with the, with his knees. So yep. you knew event, you knew eventually you're going to get some PT, right? Yep. Yep. And, uh, and, and I, w- I wish they would have uh, tailored an offense more to me, but no, they did not. They said, this is what we do uh, your turn. So, <laughs> you know, and sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't work so well, but, but yeah, I got, I ended up getting, I actually don't know. Um, I'm just going to guess that I got 18 to 20 starts. Um, so, you know, I played some. Yeah. Now was it, um, did you get support from Namath and, and, and I know Bay Pirelli, I know was, was the backup and you, when, when you came in, did they help you or were they like, Oh, this kid's trying to steal my job and I'm not going to, you know, he's going to sink or swim on his own. Well, my, my joke is that uh, Namath didn't think I was a threat to him. So uh, <laughs> he, he was very helpful. <laughs> he was, the, yeah. he was, he was a good guy. Yeah, and Babe was a good guy too. Babe was only there my rookie year, uh, but uh, both of them were great, great guys. Uh, you know, Babe was getting a little older and uh, at the end of his career and, uh, but, but two really, really good people. I like them both very much. We're speaking with Al Woodall. Al was uh played for the New York Jets from 1969 to 1975. He was drafted in the second round out of Duke in the 1969 draft. And uh, he was uh, started out as Joe Namath's backup, but because Joe Namath was hurt a lot, he got, he got in a few games here and there, but yep. um, you know, you were there at the peak of, of the Jets and the Jets kind of had a precipitous downfall fairly quickly. What, what do you think contributed to that? Good question. Um, my rookie year, I forget the exact number, but I think maybe eight or 10 rookies made the team, which is a little unusual. Now, what does that mean? Was that a particularly good rookie class or were some of the Jets uh, uh, at the end of their career? I don't know the answer to that, but it, and then people got hurt. Uh, you know, Matt Snell ripped a, an Achilles and, and really never played again. He, uh, he, uh, he tried, but, uh, he, he, you know, it, it just did not heal properly. Uh, Emerson Boozer got hurt. Um, oh, who else? Uh, a lot of the offensive linemen got hurt, the defense. I mean, there were just a ton of injuries. And I think that led to the downfall. Um, I know, uh, uh, Joe, Joe got hurt. I'm trying to recall uh, who it was against. I want to say it was, it was the old Baltimore Colts. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so the next week we were playing Buffalo and I started and we lost uh, OJ Simpson, et cetera. Um, and then we played the Giants. We lost again, but I played pretty well. And then we went out to uh, the L.A. and they had that defensive line called the Fierce and Foursome. Sure. Uh, very Deacon famous. Jones and Merlin uh, Olsen, yeah, all those absolutely. guys, right? All of those guys. And we were 19-point underdogs. You know, it was the only game on, on a Sunday. And the, the buildup, of course, was Joe Namath against the Fierce and Foursome, except for one thing. They had me instead of Joe. And we, we were 19 point underdogs and we beat them fairly handily. And uh, that was sort of the, the start of uh, some of my successes. Uh, um, yeah. So did you have, have much luck against my New England Patriots, the Boston Patriots back then? They, they weren't a very good team uh, in the 70s. No, but we weren't either. <laughs> well, it's always been a pretty good rivalry, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and the, the, the Pats, I remember. Um, oh, geez. Again, Joe was hurt and uh, we played in the old Foxborough Stadium and sure. it was not it was uh, running late with the construction and our locker room wasn't even completed. Uh the bathrooms weren't quite right. The showers weren't quite right. Uh, uh, the field itself was okay, except it was really hard. You know, it was the old synthetic turf. And um, I didn't have the right shoes. And so Joe said, here, wear these. And, and they were white. And yeah, back then, white yeah, shoes, nobody sure. wore white shoes. So I said, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, I don't think I should wear those. So, uh, but yeah, we played the, the Pats, uh, uh, you know, probably twice a year, every year. Yeah. Uh, Plunkett, uh, uh, who else? Um, we, they were Grogan. It was Grogan. No, Grogan was probably. Grogan was after me. After I really you. liked him, by the way. I don't know him personally, but uh, man, I, I loved watching him play. He was such a gritty player. Um yeah, he he was um, a guy I liked watching. Did you? Was there a, a stadium that you liked to play in that you had had a, a fond memory for, or a fan base that you liked to play against? Uh I don't know. I mean, uh, really, I liked Shea Stadium, our, our, our own stadium. Mm -hmm. uh, it was. Uh, I, I don't know why I liked it because it wasn't very nice. Uh, you know. The, the Mets played there also. And when we'd get on the field that they would uh, try to sod where the uh, uh, infield was. And it just didn't work. Uh, the sod was coming up all the time. Our locker rooms were not very nice. Uh, our, in 1969, we were still practicing at Hofstra university out sure. on Long Island. And um, we broke training camp. But unexpectedly, the New York Mets in 1969 were playing great. And guess what? We shared the same locker room. So what are they going to do? Well, we walk into the locker room and the Mets are still there. And you think you've made it to the big time. We each had a locker mate that was a Met. And my locker, <laughs> mate, my locker mate was Tug McGraw, Tim McGraw's father. Sure. So that and he was a he was a great guy. Uh, uh, I love his his famous line, and I, you know I'm sure other people have used this, but I think they got uh, fifteen thousand dollars for winning the World Series, and so they asked Tug, said Tug, how'd you spend your money? And he said, Well, I spent some of it on wine and women, and then I just blew the rest. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
So anyway, but that was that was uh, that was the league back then. I mean, I was uh, as as you already said, I was the second round pick, probably the fourth or fifth quarterback taken in the nineteen sixty nine draft, and I made fifteen grand. That was my salary. Wow. Did you? <laughs> Yeah, you were there when you first started. It was the AFL, but then 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 if the merger happened, did you right. see any? Did you see any difference playing against um, the NFL as opposed to the AFL? Or when the merger happened, did you think it affected the league at all? No, I, I think the I think the leagues were the the players were uh, just as good in, in either league. Uh, you know, I and you do a lot of this type of thing, so I'm sure you're aware that. Uh, you know, there's so many good players. Uh, I, I, it certainly wasn't just the old NFL. The AFL had some great players. Do you, you know, they, um, somebody asked Tom Brady a couple of weeks ago what his, um, the, the biggest hit was against him, and he just popped off, no problem. He, he remembered it. Do you have a hit? Somebody really gave you, gave you a lick and, and, and knocked you to another, another time zone, or is there something that really – you sit in line yeah, and we, oh, we were, here comes so and so. We we were in uh in Shea, uh one of those cold winter, windy, miserable days, and we we're playing the Raiders, and uh, Joe was getting beat up pretty bad. And Weeb looks at me <laughs> and said, If Joe gets hit again, I'm putting you in. And so he did. And uh, there was a defensive lineman named Ben Davidson. I'm sure he doesn't. Oh, even sure, Ben Davidson. This. Yeah, 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 yeah. TV he doesn't guy. Even He's a this, big, big man. He came. He came. Uh, he got through the line fairly easily for some reason, and just went straight up in the air to try to block my pass and hit me right in the chest with his knee. Right. And, you know, so I, I never forget that one. Do you think the NFL or football in your day was a little more nasty than it, than it is today? They seem to really protect the quarterback uh, today. Sure, absolutely. But you know, nobody cared what anyone did. Uh, you know, it was they'd hit you out of bounds, they'd hit you after the whistle, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But on the other hand, guys are bigger and faster, and the collisions are probably even more dramatic now. So you know, I don't know. I mean. Sure, we had less equipment, less fewer rules, but I'm sure it's not that different. Do you have a favorite receiver that you you enjoyed? Uh, you know, you you knew when you threw that ball up that you, he had a good chance of getting it. Yeah, I had two guys that um, <clears throat> that worked for me. One was Jerome Barkham, and the one before that was George Sauer. Um, sure. I was I was disappointed that Sauer decided to retire in in, in his prime, but. Uh, but Jerome Barkham, for some reason, those two guys seemed to, um, we had some sort of chemistry going, I guess. Was there a defense that you really uh, didn't like to see on the schedule that you said, oh, no, I'm going to have a long day facing these guys? <laughs> no, uh, no, not really. Uh, back then, the uh, Miami Dolphins were so uh, uh, successful, and they had um, – what I thought was a difficult defense to play against, not so much from a physical standpoint, but for, from an X's and O's standpoint. Um, and, and I, you know, I never did play very well against them. Although, although I still had the game ball, we beat them in Miami uh, after their perfect season. And we were the first, their very first loss 
after that perfect season. And, uh, and I played that whole game. So, uh, but I still didn't play very well, but, <laughs> but we won. I always wondered about play calling and audibles, you know, and I'm sure the, the, the plays would come in from the sidelines, but did you have a lot of leniency in terms of calling audibles and, and uh, making decisions at the line? Yeah. I mean, back then they didn't call that many plays for really? us. Really? Yeah. They'd send plays in, but um, uh, you know, you had the ability to of course check them off. And, and if you saw something you liked better, but uh, most of the plays were called by the quarterback. That's cool. We're speaking yeah. with Al Woodall. Al was uh, played for the uh, all America at Duke and he was drafted by the New York Jets in the second round of the 1969 draft he spent his entire career with the jets from 1969 to 1975 um he was uh he threw 18 touchdowns during his career he was kind of a a backup to joe namath i hope you don't mind me saying that but uh no no no, no, no. <laughs> you know That's being, a, being right. a backup to a hall of famer there's nothing wrong with that yeah um you were number 18 did you choose number 18 or was that given to you did, did that have a special place for you it was a, I was 18 in college. Uh, and so that, I think that's why they gave it to me. And of course they didn't have a number 18, so there was no controversy there. So, uh, yeah, that, that was, that was, uh, it just evolved that way. Is there a pass that you made that in your mind, you wish you had that had back that it either got picked off or, or, yeah. or you yeah. know what I mean? You, you, you sit there oh, like, oh, yeah. damn, why did I throw that thing? Yeah, you, you know what, Jeff, I have there, there, there are four or five that I still, I, I, they're still on my mind today, you know, 50 years later. And I, I, uh, I can't give you, well, I can give you a specific one. It was against the, uh, against New England. It had rained. It was raining cats and dogs and we were down 21 to nothing. And then, um, the, uh, the, the weather cleared and, and they sent a play in from the sidelines and I had a guy wide open for a touchdown and missed him. And I just, oh, geez, I just kicking myself. How could I miss him? But you know, that's the name of the game. I guess when you're playing, you have to have a short memory and a long memory, right? You have to kind of re remember that you didn't make that, the, the, that bad throw, but you also have to be kind of fearless and just like, okay, if I see it open, I'm going to let it go. Right. Yeah. And, and I struggled with that quite honestly. Um, I, I, I lived with my mistakes much too long. Um, you know, as I, uh, as I got older, I think I, uh, was able to start putting that behind me. And, and frankly, I think it made me much more mentally tough for the outside world. Um, once I went into business that it, uh, I, I think I learned from all of that. So I, I, uh, some of it was painful but uh, beneficial at the same time, as they say, character building. <laughs> well, you had a special relationship with another Hall of Famer, John Riggins, right? You were his, his roommate. Uh, John and I, yeah, John and I were good buddies. We were, we did a lot of stuff together, um, especially after he went to the Redskins. Um, uh, we still maintained contact and um, we still um, visited one another. And uh, I like John a lot. He was a, uh, John's whole, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but, but I, I don't think people realize that John was as smart as he was. John's a brilliant guy. I mean, he really was. He's a very smart guy and a country boy, uh, Centralia, Kansas, uh, you know, probably 500 people population town and uh, uh, great guy. I, you know, I love John. Yeah. Do you think that's why he 
trouble uh, making it with the Jets? No, it's not that he didn't make it. Um, well, you know what I mean. He really had. He really sh- shined uh, with the Redskins. Well, what happened was that John was starting to we the, the Jets were starting to see how good he was, and he wanted to get paid more. And they were, you know, basically they paid Namath and no one else. Right. And um, and John <clears throat> told Weeb Eubank, he said, "I'm not coming to camp until you pay me." And so uh, you may or may not be aware of this, but John set out a year. Yeah, I didn't and know that. Weeb sent him a telegram and said, John, we need you. John sends a telegram back and said, <clears throat> excuse me, said, send me green to make me mean. <laughs> and and uh, Weeb wouldn't, wouldn't budge. And so John set out the year and became a free agent and signed with the Redskins. And, it, it you know, he's Hall of Fame after that. So, yeah. um, you know, it wasn't so much that he didn't make it with the Jets as they he never quite had a chance. We're speaking with Al Worrell. Al was an All-America at Duke quarterback. He was drafted in the second round of the 1969 by the New York Jets. He played with the Jets for his entire career, 1969 to 1975. And he was a backup quarterback to Joe Namath, friends with, with John Riggins. And uh, Al, you were there. Uh, you had a front row seat for the Joe Namath Circus. And I guess that's the only the best way to describe it, right? I mean, it must have been. Oh, he was. You know what? Joe was the first athlete that was a movie star let's put it that way i mean he uh the the we'd come out of a after a game he had to be protected by police there were just women and and guys too just uh all around him and wouldn't leave him alone you know and uh he, he sometimes he would come out a, a secret entrance uh, exit so he could get on the bus with us uh my gosh he had uh TV commercials before anyone else did. He had his own television show. Oh gosh, what else did he, he had all kinds of things. Um, of course he had the, you know, the hair, the mustache, uh, several different mustaches, Fu shoes, yep. you know, you name it. Uh, and fur coat on the sidelines. Uh, uh, he, <laughs> but you know what, Joe was a good guy. Uh, you know, I don't think I don't think any of the teammates resented him at all. Um, he, he was a, 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 a ladies man and a, and a man's man at the same time. Can you give me a PG rated story of Joe that uh, you might not, that hasn't been out in the, out in the airwaves for, for a while or something, you know, some funny anecdote that you can share with us. Hmm. PG. Um, PG. Well, you know, we have kids listening, so we have to be very, we can't be, yeah. Uh, um, well, one little, it's, it's more funny and maybe this is you're not going to be much of a story, but maybe you had to be there, but uh, we're in the bus, the whole team, and we're waiting and waiting and waiting. And, uh, 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 and we knew what we're waiting for, waiting for Joe. And, you know, he had, he, he had bad knees. And, and so he, after the game, he had to do some things that perhaps others didn't. So, I mean, a lot of time is passing and we're getting a little impatient. Come on, Joe, where are you, what are you doing? And then here he comes, you see the door open and there were a fair amount of people, mostly females out there. And they're just all over him, you know, pulling at his clothes and everything. And Joe finally gets to the bus, gets in the, gets into the bus and looks at everybody and says, 
man, it's tough being a star, isn't it? So, <laughs> you know, just a, a big roar of laughter. You know, like I said, Joe was a good guy. Good Do you guy. have any memorabilia from your playing days? Did you keep any uniforms or uh, did you collect autographs for, from opponents or helmets? Do you have any? No, 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 no. I've got, uh, I've got, uh, oh, I don't know, four or five game balls. I've got uh, one of my jerseys. Um, that's about it. I, I, you know, I, no, I didn't uh, get any, I wouldn't mind having Joe's rookie card or John Riggins rookie <laughs> card. Cause it's worth a lot. <laughs> I know. Did you, did you collect cards as a kid? No, I did not. not. I did, did not. You? We were, you know, in my little town in North Carolina, there were no Southern teams. Uh, the Redskins were the closest and uh, no baseball. Uh, so I was a Brooklyn Dodgers fan in baseball and, um, but, but yeah, no, I did not collect cards. How uh, do you have any programs for the, from your playing days? Did you keep any programs? My dad did uh, a few, um, he came up to a few games and, um, you know, didn't know how to dress and froze to death and uh, that kind of thing. And, um, uh, I've got a little, uh, little chest downstairs, uh, uh, with, with a bunch of stuff in it, uh, maybe a scrapbook or two that he kept and, you know, some pictures and stuff like that. Newspaper articles, you know, not all good by the way. So. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any favorite football cards, either tops or any other cards that you, that you like uh, to see? No, 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 not really. Not really. I mean, I, I, I'm always amazed uh, at how many cards I get in the mail to sign and return. Uh, I mean, considering that, you know, I'm certainly not a star by any stretch. And, um, but I think it's because of playing in New York. I, I really do. I think there's good and the bad with uh, playing in New York. If you can handle the, uh, the pressure, you get a lot of exposure. And <clears throat> so I'm assuming that's why I get so many, but I, <clears throat> Jeff, I probably get, oh, I don't know. My wife tells me that I don't, I get more than I think, but I think I probably get two or three a month anyway. And uh, she says two or three a week. I don't think it's that many, but. Uh, well, it's still pretty good for a guy who hasn't played in 15 Yeah, right. Years. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I wish they'd have paid me more. <laughs> did you, um, were you, did you ever, I always ask this to guys and I never, I never get the answer that I'm looking for. So I'll ask you <laughs> when you were playing, did you ever go to like a, a grocery store or a, a, a drug store and pick up, you know, pick up a couple of packs of cards to see if you could get your own card? <laughs> no, I didn't. You guys, I, I really none of didn't. you guys. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I, I asked that because that's the first thing that I would have done. If I was a, if I was a player, I would have been out there buying boxes of cards just to get my own card. But you guys, none of you. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, no, I never did that. that. That's funny. Well, again, we're speaking with Al Well, Al played for the New York Jets from 1969 to 1975. He was a All-America out of Duke. He's a quarterback. He uh, had, uh, let's see, what we, let, he threw uh, 18 touchdown passes during his career. And I won't give your 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 win loss record out because yeah, they don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to forget that part. But he he was he was a pretty good player in, in his day, and he was back up to Joe Namath. He was friends with with John Riggins. Um, do you still talk to any of the guys? Do you guys do you guys get together at all? 
is do you have a reunion or do you um... one of my one of my roommates uh i had two roommates one unfortunately died last year he was a uh, backup tight end named wayne stewart out of berkeley cal berkeley and the other roommate was steve o'neill our punter Yep. Who still has an NFL record of 98 yard punt in Denver. I'm sorry if you can believe it. I actually went on YouTube last week and watched it. Yeah, yeah. Well, the funny thing is, uh, uh, our other roommate, Wayne Stewart, was was the first guy down the field. Uh, you know, he was the guy that uh, he was, you know, as, as a backup, he's on special teams, et cetera. Yep. And, uh, but yes, yeah, Steve, I, I still see Steve uh, now and again. Did you know you you um had to retire because of you in 1974 74 75 you you hurt your knee right you turned, I did hurt my knee I got uh, I got picked up um the, the Jets drafted Richard Todd sure and um and released me and the Pittsburgh Steelers picked me up and uh, wanted me to uh, compete with Terry Hanratty as the backup for Terry Bradshaw. And so I went to Pittsburgh and um, they uh, gave me a physical and said, okay, good. And, um, but I had sort of lost my uh, fire for the game. And I, I was thinking to myself, it's time for me to uh, join the real world and, uh, uh, you know, become a non-football player. <laughs> yeah. Well, you had some, you had some, um, time with the nfl players association while you were playing right you you had some did well you... i didn't know not personally i did not, not. Personally. i mean we were all involved because there was a strike and and that kind of thing but i didn't have any uh, direct uh, uh involvement with the association no okay and then what did you do after you retired i went into the insurance business to start with um, um in new york city um, Northwestern Mutual, a life insurance company, and uh, uh, was with them for three or four years. I uh, had su some success, and and then my uh, first kid was born, and I didn't want to raise him in New York, so uh, I moved to uh, Denver, Colorado, and um, and then my Beautiful business, place. yeah, my business expanded to more financial services kind of stuff, and. Um, and that, that's really what I did for the next uh, 20, 30 years. Do you, go, do you attend many um, Jets games still? Do they bring you back every once in a while? You, you can come back, uh, but the requirement is to do autographs and things like that. And so I don't do it. I, I You know what? I've, I've been to one, let's, let me think, uh, one or two games out in the, uh, the new stadium out in, in New Jersey. And um, it's too much trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd uh, you know what you don't have to tell me uh, you know the yeah. older you get you're like do i really want to go spend yeah, a, exactly. a whole day yeah, exactly i can watch it you on know, tv and everything's right there yeah it's easier to yeah absolutely and and you know i'm a i'm, I'm certainly a big fan and i'm hoping that uh zach wilson uh, has a good year i think he's uh has the the, the skills so uh, uh we'll see well you're yeah I, I was reading i think it was it was in wiki but um, your name popped up. Somebody, one of the coaches mentioned, you know, the who's starting quarterback today and oh, we're going to bring in Al Woodall. <laughs> you know what? That was um, 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 when, when I was with the Jets, our defensive coach was Buddy Ryan. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And Buddy's son was the Jets coach that made that comment. 
And he probably, and, and, and I, for some reason, Buddy Ryan and I got along great. And that's probably what prompted him to say that, but that's right. He said, uh, yeah, we're going to put in what all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that must've made you smile though. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, it was great. It was great. Well, we're speaking with Al Woodall. Al, uh, thank you for joining us. Al played uh, with the New York Jets from 1969 to 1975. He, he uh, hurt his knee and had to retire. And he was the second round pick of the Jets in the 1969 draft. Uh, he played with, uh, he was John, uh, played with John Riggins and he was Joe Namath's backup. And uh, he was on, had a front row seat for all of the Joe Namath circus. Um, is there, is, do you have any, any regrets about your playing, your playing days? Is it, was there something that you wish you, you had done that, that today, you know, looking back like, gee, gee, if I took my care of myself better, or I did this, or, you know, I wish I did that to, to extend my career is it, or, or I made a, made a bad play or is there anything that you can, yeah, you... you know what? I wish I had partied less and studied more. Let's no, no. We way. all say that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, but that's the only regret. I, I, I actually think I'd, I, I, Maybe everybody says this, but I'm still going to say it anyway. I think I was uh, could have had better success than I had, but whatever. It's all well, like I know, said, it's character building. Again, you threw 18 touchdown passes in your career. You had a, had a fantastic career, Al. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time today. Thank you for signing my card. Al is Al is a, a a true fan of TTM. So if you have a card that you want to get signed by Al, I'm not going to give out his address, but you can go find his address and send it off and he'll sign it with a smile. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to talk to about Al before I let you go? No, that's, that's nothing else, Jeff, but uh, my pleasure. Thanks for uh, asking me to uh, join you. Thank you for having, having me as well. And uh, it, was, it was a pleasure to meet you. All righty, Jeff. Bye-bye. Bye, Al. Thank you. All right, Drew, I think I think we've been talking for like two hours. I feel like we we like, we, you know, we wound it up and we talk and talk and talk. And there's just a lot, a lot of stuff going on. It's been a, it's a, it's a busy week, don't you think? There is. I mean, anytime the national comes around, that's always a busy week for everyone in the collecting world. So, of course, same with us. I mean, we're both going to be going out there to it. So really looking forward to that and to everything that uh, everything that's on the way as well with my trip and all that. Yeah, follow our uh, our exploits on. You can follow it on our website, uh, ttmcast.com. There's two buttons there. There's Drew's excellent adventure button. You can follow Drew's uh, excellent adventure, uh, all his trip stuff, and we're going to be Drew's, Drew's going to be checking in from the road, and we'll be uh, posting some updates on on uh, on the internet. And then also, uh, Drew will be posting on YouTube. Drew, why don't you give people your YouTube uh, address so they can follow you on YouTube? Yeah, if you just go to youtube.com slash dfwgraffer, that's the easiest way to find me, or get there through my website at dfwgraffer.com. And all the TTM cast uh, news about the national will be on our website as well. You can find out everything about um, where we're going to be at the CSG booth when we're going to be there, also about our listener meetup and anything else. We'll pick, I'll post pictures there as well. So check that out. First, I want to thank Al Woodall for joining us. I want to thank Clemente Lise, our new soccer correspondent, for joining us. I want to thank Les Wolf, who's a little under other the weather this week, for joining us, talking about coming up and all the stuff that's coming up at the National. Drew is leaving any second now to to hit the road. He's going to be traveling. He'll be. I hope Rudy, I'm all music's uh, select, set up for your uh, for your trip. Are you going to? What are you doing? Yep. Listen to CDs, listening to eight tracks. What are you listening to? <laughs> I've got my uh, everything set up on Spotify there. So I just uh, plug it right in on the uh, stereo in there. 
Um, yeah, typically the rule is whoever's driving picks the music. So uh, I do have to occasionally deal there and stuff, but yeah, it, it works out pretty well. Do you and Aaron have the same taste in music? Fairly similar. He's into more uh, newer rock and uh, reggaeton is one of his big things he really likes. Whereas I'm all about like any kind of, you know, punk rock, ska, hardcore, classic rock, anything like that. So uh, there's some overlap in there. Well, and then if you, you drive it on Saturday at about 10 a.m., you can listen to Sportsman Radio Network. I certainly <laughs> could. I'll see if I can find because we'll be somewhere in southern Tennessee at that point. I'll see if I can pull it up on there. And if not, well, I can always grab the app. That's right. That'll be cool. Well, you have a, a safe trip and we'll be talking to you from the road. Guys, next week we're going to have um, kind of an abbreviated show. All right. We're, Drew and I are going to be at the National and uh, we're going to be interviewing tons of people and recording interviews so we're just really going to have i'm just going to play my ttm cast interview where i interviewed tim somers who is a uh, former minor leaguer he was a minor league pitcher in the baltimore orioles uh, organization for eight years in the, in the 60s and we're going to talk to tim about a new a book he, that he's written and we're just we're going to not going to have all our regular segments next week we'll just have a a quick a, a quick uh, interview segment well it's just it's probably 45 minute interview but we're just gonna we're gonna play our interview next week and that is it we will come back with you on uh for our regular show the following week we will wrap up everything that's happened at the national we were going to be playing uh national interviews certainly for the next couple weeks anyway and we're going to be lining up all sorts of new guests um if you are at the national make sure you you stop by and see us at the csg booth or if you you can make the, our listener meet up we really appreciate that can just drop us an email drew what's our email that would be ttmcast at yahoo.com drop us an email if you're at the national and you want to meet up someplace let us know we can that's the, probably the best way to, to reach drew and i just send us an email and we'll uh, we'll hook up and we can we'll, we'll get you a a, 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 a number that we can we can talk to you guys on if you want to meet us up and meet up with us and you can't make make one of the places uh, that we are definitely know we're going to be we are going to be all over the floor uh, hopefully we'll make some some friends and some new friends and see some old friends and uh, really excited, aren't you, Drew? Definitely. I mean, anytime, I always love going to the national, no matter where it's at. And actually, this is the first time I've said that I'll be at one that's not in Cleveland. So uh, looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. All right, guys. Well, that is it. I want to wish everyone many happy returns and we will see you next week with an abbreviated show and the following week with a full show. Uh, if you don't go to the national, follow us. We'll bring you that. We'll make it there, bring you there virtual. If you're going to be there, let us know. We'd love to see you again. Thanks everyone. We'll see you next week.